I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the milk to my lucky charms, JC. Oh, uh, I'm good at scratching your lucky charms. <laughs> are you're, you? You're a dairy farmer, so that's true. Yes. Well, I wasn't, but I worked it. Uh, are you ready to conclude this? The, arguably the greatest franchise ever put to celluloid. I am. All right. Uh, this has been a long haul. It has been. Uh, this week we're completing our franchise review of the Tolkien saga, which encompasses the Hobbit trilogy and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Now, just a reminder to our listeners: we discussed this ahead of time, and we will be grading these as one complete franchise and not two separate trilogies. This week we will be talking about the 2003 fantasy, The Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, discussing its role in the saga, and in an hour or so we will analyze it, grade it, and either induct it or exclude it. We'll also play a game of Did the Awards Get It Right, as well as a new segment called Top Three, Bottom Three, where we highlight the best things of the film and rip to shreds the worst things in the film. Download us on iTunes and Stitcher and like us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on Twitter at Movie Playground. Email us with any questions, suggestions you may have for us at themovieplayground at gmail.com. But let's get started. This week we are talking about 2003's The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, a movie made for $94 million that raked in $1.1 billion for New Line Cinema and Wingnut Films. <laughs> Uh, directed by Peter Jackson, screenplay by Fran Walsh, Philip Aboyans, and Peter Jackson. Adapted from the J.R.R. Tolkien novel, The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. The theatrical version of this film is 201 minutes, 3 hours and 21 minutes. And the extended version is a whopping 4 hours and 11 minutes. Yep. Starring Elijah Wood as Frodo, Ian McKellen as Gandalf, Viggo Mortensen as Aragorn, Liv Tyler as Arwen, Sean Astin as Sam, Sala Baker as Sauron, Kate Blanchett as Galadriel, John Rhys Davies as Gimli in the voice of Treebeard, Bernard Hill as Theoden, Billy Boyd as Pippin, Dominic Monaghan as Mary, Orlando Bloom as Legolas, Hugo Weaving as Elrond, Miranda Otto as Eowyn, David Wenham as Faramir, Carl Urban as Eomer, John Noble as Denethor, Andy Serkis as Gollum and Smeagol, and Ian Holm as Old, Old old Bilbo Baggins. It's been a long road, Bilbo. Oh, my. It's been a long road. According to our good people at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato rating of 95%. This is interesting because it has the second highest tomato rating of all the Middle Earth films. But when you dive deep into the critic score, which is the average rating from the critics, it comes in first place with an 8.7 out of 10. The audience score, however, is the average of the audience is a 3.7 out of 5. Yeah. This is actually the, one of the lowest, lowest rated by the, the audience. franchise, yep. I don't understand it, but we'll get into it. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that later. A little background information about the, making this movie. JC. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. Uh, this will be easy as far as doing behind the scenes because, as I said in the last podcast, it sh follows the same format as Two Towers and Fellowship. It's the same title, same little bit of deal. You have the behind the scenes and the sound section and all of that. Um, now, if there's any interesting behind the scenes info, I'll sort of give that as we go over the whole synopsis. However, there is a list of, I did uh, do a list of the new scenes from the extended edition. Oh, good. The first scene we have is the voice of Sauron. The heroes converse with Sauron and he tries to sway their thoughts with his voice. It ends with Gandalf defeating him and destroying his staff. Theoden even tries to save Grima, and then Grima kills Sauron, falling to his death. This should have been in the movie. It was It was a good scene. Uh, the next one is called Eowyn's Dream. Aragorn checks on Eowyn, and she tells him of a dream. She saw a great wave climbing over green hills, and she stood upon the hill and felt only darkness and an abyss. Aragorn calms her and tells her to go to sleep. It's just another, like, oh, do they love each other scene. Yeah, it wasn't needed. <laughs> The decline of Gondor. Uh, Gandalf tells Pippin how Minas Tirith declined under the steward of Gondor, Denethor. 
Uh, he gives the history of Gondor. Uh, Gondor came to ruin. Essentially, Gandalf sums up because it lived in the past and did not deal with the present. It was one of those cities where, like, we are great because we were great instead of we are great because we're doing great things now, which is a good lesson. Uh, it was a nice scene. I, it's, it's important. Plus, right. I like exposition. Uh, Crossroads of the Fallen King. Sam and Frodo come upon a fallen statue that used to show a king of Gondor. Frodo talks about a feeling of never coming back and dying on this road, and Sam gives him a pep talk, as Sam has to do. Uh, the cap- decapitated statue has a bunch of flowers on it, and when the sun hits it, it looks like a crown. So it's almost like the return of the king. Huh. Oh, wait a second. Mm, symbolism. <laughs> uh, Sam's warning is the next scene. Sam threatens Smeagol while climbing the stairs of Kirith Ungol. This threat leads Gollum to want to get rid of him, hence sending him away later on the stairs. So again, this is a scene I kind of think is necessarily because it also shows Sam being a bit of an asshole. Like, yeah. You see Sam be a jerk. And so part of it is like, okay, I get why Smeagol is. So it's it's interesting. It, it, it definitely fleshes that out more. It's not necessarily. You already get there's a dynamic there of hatred. Oh, that's true. The two, that's but true. this just cements it, I think. Yeah. The wizard's pupil. Uh, Faramir talks with Denethor about letting the ring go, and the steward attacks his own son. Uh, Faramir is actually called a wizard's pupil, meaning he followed the wizard more than his father, and it's meant as an insult. Who wouldn't? His father's an asshole. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Peregrine of the Tower Guard. This is a scene where Faramir gives Peregrine a pep talk before he takes his oath. And uh, as part of the pep talk, Faramir tells him, oh, by the way, those clothes you're wearing, those used to be mine. <laughs> so that was like when he was a kid. Exactly. So that, <laughs> so that was kind of a cool little like I like that. The next scene is called Corsairs of Umbar. It's the scene where Aragorn takes control of the Corsair ships and he does so with the surprise, surprise. Army of the Dead. Da, 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 da. Uh, Mary's Simple Courage. Uh, this is a scene where Mary and Eowyn ride together into battle after being told by different people that they couldn't do so because even though they had courage, they didn't have the size or the strength to actually fight. It's a, Those are good scenes. Again, not needed, right. you understand, <clears throat> but it's a good scene that fleshes them out a little bit more. All right. The Witch's Hour. This is a powerful scene, although short. The Witch King of Angmar corners Gandalf and destroys his staff. You actually don't realize it, but Gandalf doesn't have his staff halfway through Minas Tirith. He destroys his staff and is about to kill him. He has the sword in the air ready to kill him when a horn sounds revealing the arrival of the Rohan. And of course, you have the March of the Rohan coming down. But I can't believe I never noticed he didn't have a staff at the end. No, he doesn't, because it is destroyed by the Witch King. Yeah. And, and it's also powerful because it makes you wonder like, Gandalf was of the Valar. He was this person that was purposely sent back to save them, but he can't. It ended up having to be men that saved him. Oh, symbolism. And a woman to destroy the Witch, Witch King. King of Angmar, yep. Uh, the Houses of Healing. After the battle, Pippin finds Mary's cloak and cries, thinking that Mary is dead. Eomir finds Erwin and thinks her dead. This is just a good scene of grief. Mm-hmm. That's Both people think that the people they care about are dead, and I got to give Carl Urban credit. You can't, there's no sound, but his grief, like, he clearly knows what it means to lose somebody in his life because the the way he grabs a hold of Miranda Otto, like it's impressive. It's mm-hmm. it's a good scene. Um, at the end of the scene, uh, 
or sorry, at the end of the scene, Aragorn is one of the only people who uses Elvis magic to bring Eowyn back from the dead after she killed the Witch King. And while she's recovering, she sees Faramir. And maybe this is something budding. Uh, and then at the very end, Pippin, uh, after looking all day, it shifts to nighttime, finds Mary buried underneath an oliphant. Which, and, that's in the theatrical, so that's uh, where it leads to. Okay, so that's a nice moment where they, they find each, yeah, each other. Yeah, I can, I can kind of understand why this was taken out tonally. It's time for victory. It's time for celebration. Yeah. You're already going to have another 20 minutes of endings. You can't make it dour at the beginning. It'll you yeah. lose people. It, but, it is it is a pretty dour scene, but yeah, but it does give people a like, sense why of are, why are Faramir and her standing together at the wedding? Yeah, okay, this is why. Yeah, Aragorn's mastering the Palantir. Uh, Aragorn grabs a Palantir and shows himself to Sauron as well as the sword Anduril. This enrages Sauron, and he empties Mordor to kill him, allowing Frodo to get across Mordor. However, he also scares Aragorn uh, into thinking that Arwen is already dead. Yeah. And as a result, his necklace falls and breaks. And he continues to go on fighting, thinking Eowyn, or sorry, thinking Arwen is already dead. Which I, I already thought that he thought that anyway. Uh, because he does mention to Eowyn she's gone to the Undying Lands. Yeah. Now you're giving her. Now you're giving a good reason as to what's leading to that conversation. Yeah. So. Um, the Captain and the White Lady. This is a scene where Faramir, Faramir and Eowyn talk to each other, and they, of course, seem to glow, grow closer. It's literally just a Faramir Eowyn scene. Yeah. In the company of orcs, Frodo and Sam dress as orcs as they try to cross Mordor. And the mouth of Sauron. This is a scene outside the gates of Mordor that leads all to believe Frodo is dead. The mouth of Sauron tells them that the hobbits are dead, and so they all think all is lost, and mm -hmm. so they all it's a very poignant moment. Viggo Mortensen has tears in his eyes, and they all attack, thinking everything is lost, and they just attack anyway. Okay. So <clears throat> very powerful scene. Joe, were you excited to see this movie when it came out in theaters? Yes, 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 yes. The franchise had done nothing wrong in my eyes at the time, and I was looking forward to a solid ending to a near-perfect trilogy. At the time, it was a trilogy, not a saga. Yeah. So, oh, see, see, how about I you? was so excited. Yeah. I, I went. I went. Which is weird because you didn't see Two Towers. I didn't. See, I, I didn't know it was a thing. <laughs> I didn't know it was a thing, but by the time Return of the King had come out, I'd read all three books. I'd seen the first two extended editions. I mean, I, I jumped off the deep end with this. By okay. the time I learned about it, I, I went in. And the first time I saw it, I went with uh, a good friend of mine uh, named Josh. Uh, me and Josh went to see it together. And uh, he also used to go see movies with me, and as Joe can attest to, I would constantly look at him to see his reaction. Reactions. And he would and he would <laughs> glare at me, telling me to watch the screen. <laughs> and then I saw it a second time with my mother, and my mother was blown away. My, yeah. my mother loved it. So I, I saw it twice very quickly. Okay. All right. Quick synopsis. Yeah, right. <laughs> we movie. don't do things quick. <laughs> All right. Courtesy of IMDB. Frodo has passed beyond my sight. The darkness is deepening. If Sauron had the ring, we would know it. It's only a matter of time. You suffered a defeat, yes, but behind the walls of Mordor, our enemy is regrouping. Let him stay there. Let him rot! Why should we care? 
because 10,000 orcs now stand between Frodo and Mount Doom. I've sent him to his death. No. There's still hope for Frodo. He needs time and safe passage across the plains of Gorgoroth. We can give him that. How? Draw out Sauron's armies. Empty his lands. Then we gather our full strength and march on the Black Gate. <coughs> we cannot achieve victory through strength of arms. Not for ourselves. But we can give Frodo his chance if we keep Sauron's eye fixed upon us. Keep him blind to all else that moves. A diversion. Sauron will suspect a trap. You will not take the bait. Certainty of death? Small chance of success? What are we waiting for? In the opening scene, a flashback. Two hobbits, Smeagol and his friend Deagle, are fishing the river Anduin near the Gladden Fields in the north of Middle-earth. Deagle is dragged into the river by a powerful catch and discovers the one ring glinting Ooh. in the riverbed. He collects it and climbs out of the water. Smeagol sees him fondling it, and as they both succumb to the ring's power, they begin to quarrel. Smeagol demands the ring, saying that it's his birthday and it should be his present. The squabble turns into a fight. Smeagol strangles his friend with his bare hands and pries the ring from Deagle's clenched fist. As a result, Smeagol is ostracized from his community and driven away. Suffering terribly from loneliness and shame, also the effects of the ring, Smeagol takes solace in his love for the ring. However, it slowly tortures his mind. He takes solitary refuge in caves beneath the Misty Mountains, where under the influence of the rings, he lives to a very great age. He dwindles into a hunched, furtive, slinking creature known only by the unpleasant sound he makes with his throat as he tries to breathe. Gollum! Gollum! <laughs> uh... Smeagol has a face that I hate. I'm turning into Joel. Ouch. <laughs> it's Andy Durkis, man. Or Sir, Andy Circus. Durkis? Wow. Durka Durka. I read Deagle. <laughs> I really wish Smeagol didn't already have Gollum's voice. Uh, I wish that would have happened over time. Uh, I see. Yeah. Uh, the ring works pretty darn fast uh, in this scene when it comes to corrupting its owner. That's true. It didn't. Uh, Although maybe what it's alluding to is Bilbo has a stronger constitution. Maybe Smeagol was already just... Because you have good and bad people. Maybe maybe what the ring does is it brings out the worst in you, and if you already have a lot of worst, then... Yeah, and as short as the scene is, it's one of the more brutal fights in the entire Middle-Earth saga. It uh, is, because it's, it's, it's quick personal, but impactful. It's personal, and it's close. Yeah. Uh, the montage showing what happens to Smeagol and turning into Gollum is very much a horror film vein that Jackson is good at. But the midway point in the change... The practical effect doesn't look good in my eyes. It doesn't I, translate. I don't like it. It looked, it looked better on the DVD. I think the Blu-ray made it, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't seen the trilogy on Blu-ray much, and so watching it for this podcast, I've watched a couple things, and there have been a lot of moments yeah. in all the movies where I'm like, that I remember that looking better. Okay. And I almost wonder if like the translation, something didn't update. Yeah, the, the, there's a scene where he looks back and he's midway through it and you see a close-up of his face with the practical effects and it 
just there's, a, there's not a good melding. Doesn't really look good. But anyway, that that's a nitpicky thing. Anyway, moving on. In the present, on the outskirts of Mordor, Frodo and Sam are resting in an alcove. Sam awakes and sees that his master has not slept. The days are growing darker the closer they get to Minas Morgul and Mordor. Gollum arrives and urges them to move on. Yeah, in case you forgot, Gollum's going to double-cross them based yeah, on that final just, scene. It's been a year since we saw it. So. That's true. Uh, Sam revealing that they don't want to run out of food and that he's rationed it for the journey home shows that Sam is not just good for moral support, but also is thinking beyond Mount Doom. Exactly. I feel that this is important so that Frodo realizes that his destiny is not just the destruction of the ring, but the many years to come also. Uh, Pippin talking about the salted pork is particularly good. <laughs> I love happy Pippin and happy Mary. We I missed that too. in two towers. No, because you don't get it at all. Plus... Everything they're in, you're like, well, this is the slowest scene ever. Yeah, and Saruman being trapped is enough of an ending for him based on Gandalf's statement of him not having power. But knowing the extended scene. Knowing the extended scene, I'm like, and why did you take Christopher Lee out of this movie then? And that's (laughs) the thing. It's a great dialogue. Like, the things he says to each character, like, you get why people fall under Saruman's spell. Mm-hmm. Like, the stuff he says, he's like, Theoden, you are a king of lesser men from great... <laughs> and, like, this is all that Theoden thought of himself. Like, that's what Saruman's good at. Saruman is good at taking your worst feels, and he just gives them voice. Yeah. He just says out loud the things you've always thought. All right. Away in the west, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and Gandalf, Theoden, and Eomir ride through the forest of Fanghar. Fanghorn to Isengard, where they meet Merry and Pippin feasting among the wreckage. They go to see Treebeard at the lower at the tower of Orthanc in the center of Isengard, where Saruman has been trapped. Gandalf opposes Gimli's call to kill Saruman, saying that the wizard has no power anymore and will pose no further threat. As they are talking, Pippin sees the Palantir amongst the flotsam and is entranced by it. But Gandalf quickly asks it asks it from him and hides it under his cloak. Does the Palantir have corruptive properties also? Only because Sauron is using it. Okay. Also, I heard somebody this week say in a theory that Gandalf saw it first and inspired Pippin to look at it first in order because he saw forward enough that they're going to have to direct his attention away from Frodo in some way. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised cause he's a wizard. So maybe he did. Okay. I I'll be honest. I don't, I'd have to rewatch that scene. I don't, I didn't get that vibe, Yeah. but that is a good argument. That cannot be disproven. Right. So I don't know. All right. The group rides to Edoras where King Theoden has prepared a large banquet to hail the victorious dead of the battle of the Hornborg. There's an extended part in this. It wasn't an added scene, but there's an extended part. Is there a drinking song in the theatrical version? Oh, with Pippin and Mary? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. But the I, drinking game is not in it. Oh, between Gimli and uh, Legolas. Legolas? Yeah. yeah. When he feels a tingle. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> something is happening to me. <laughs> and I love Gimli in that whole scene. But, but this whole scene is good because it's levity before, like, it's going to get dark. Yeah. Uh, at this uh, party, Eowyn shows affection for Aragorn, which Theoden notices and says he is happy for her. Aragorn, being an honorable man and the architect of the victory of Helm's Deep, sort of tries to politely say, yeah, ain't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gandalf expresses to Aragorn his concerns over the quest. Aragorn tells him to trust in what his heart tells him and that Frodo is still alive. This lays the groundwork for a lot of what Jackson is going to do later in terms of 
if you remember in Two Towers, I talked about it being a three-way where they sort of split off the stories. Jackson purposely puts little hints in that he's trying to bring all of these stories back together. So even though in the books they didn't talk a whole lot, like once they sort of went on their separate quests, they didn't really talk about it. He's adding things. So the script writers added these little vignettes and these little like, oh, I'm dwelling on Frodo and oh, is Frodo alive or is he dead? Like that whole question uh, is to try to attempt to bring those all back together. Yeah, I, I love that Aragorn has faith in Frodo and Sam, but yeah. Gandalf is the one that's wavering at this point. Yeah. And it's it shows you the growth that Aragorn has had in these three movies. It shows you the growth of Aragorn, but it's also interesting in that when you look at this as a whole saga, mm-hmm. uh, Gandalf never lost faith in, in Bilbo. No. Never once did he lose faith in Bilbo. How ironic that he suddenly worries about Frodo. And is it the constitution of the hobbits, or is it, that's just the one ring? I think Bilbo was always protected by 13 dwarves. And uh, they weren't that's go- true, too. They weren't going to Mordor. That's true. You know? Uh, I love the fact that Eowyn's putting the full court press on Aragorn. Yeah, really? <laughs> like, I thought she pulled back in the last one, but nope. No, she didn't. Nope, let's go. Uh, Theoden acknowledging Aragorn's contribution at Helm's Deep is big for Aragorn's piece of the story. And this is one fun drunken party. Oh, it's a great party. <laughs> and and I know people say, oh, Gimli's just, Gimli's funny in this scene. I'm sorry. I no, like no. Gimli in this scene. And I don't want to get it wrong in that, even though I have said that Gimli is mainly used for humorous effect, it's not, it's not that I don't enjoy it. Yeah. It's just sometimes it pulls me out. Gotcha. Yeah. So Gollum awakes in the night as Frodo and Sam are sleeping and goes off to one side to murmur to himself. <laughs> His evil half senses some doubts in Smeagol and insists that he can murder once, referring to Deagle. He can do so again. Gollum then begins leading Smeagol through their plan to deliver the hobbits into the clutches of Shelob in Kirith Ungol, after which the ring can be reclaimed. <laughs> Sam hears the conversation and beats Gollum for his treachery. Frodo intervenes, saying that as their guide, Gollum is necessary for their quest. Sam glowers as Gollum flashes him an evil smile while Frodo's back is turned. Yeah. Another yeah. piece where Gollum argues with Smeagol. Yep. These conversations are awesome. Uh, the choice to have Sam wake up and overhear Gollum is great because it puts Frodo in a position to choose who he trusts. Yes. And I love this because it's important. If you don't remember how the trust is turning, this scene is at the beginning of how you remember. And one of my favorite things is this film puts you through the emotional spectrum. And this is one of those instances where like, no, it's Sam. Frodo can't. But no, Frodo has to get angry. Like, it's just, oh, it's, and it's so well acted. Yeah. yeah, but Gollum and Sam are like two brothers in the back of the seat of the car. Exactly. <laughs> one keeps hitting the other one, and the other one's going, he hit me, and it never really happened, keeps getting in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> that same night, back in Edoras, Pippin's curiosity gets the better of him, relieving a sleeping Gandalf of the play until he looks into it. Pippin sees a vision of a white tree in, sto- in a stone courtyard that is set ablaze. Mm. But in doing so, he is caught by Sauron and submitted to mental torture and questioning. Aragorn tries to rescue him, briefly exposing himself to Sauron. Pippin recovers from his ordeal, and it is discovered that he did not tell Sauron anything of the ring's whereabouts. From Pippin's vision of the White Tree, Gandalf deduces that Sauron is now moving to attack the great Gondorian city of Minas Tirith. 
and he rides off to send warning, taking Pippin with him, lest his urge to look into the planter now left in Aragorn's keeping would return again. Uh, just to piggyback off something here, and that is, since Aragorn has the Palantir and has touched it, wouldn't he be corrupted also? Well, he was corrupted while he was holding it. Once he right. let go of it, he's no longer corrupted. I just, I, I wish that Aragorn had said something. That he also... He passed out. Felt. Well, right, but when he wakes up, he's standing there when they're talking about it, and he's, at the time, Gandalf is just going after Peregrine Took, yeah. and Aragorn's just sitting there going... I'm not going to get yelled at. Well, isn't that what you do? <laughs> when you dad's yelling, you just exactly. be quiet? Exactly. <laughs> you can't tell me. When your brother or your sister is getting yelled at, not, no kid goes up, uh, dad, no, dad, don't. I did it too, so you should yell at both of us. <laughs> good point. That is totally good point. I'll, I'll, I'll I'm, I'm saying humility and good character should win out, but I will totally admit when my brother was getting yelled at, yeah. I was not stupid enough to say, well... He may have done it because I urged him to. Like, <laughs> like somebody going, you're going to say something, Aragorn? Shut up. <laughs> no. Uh, Gandalf sleeps with his eyes open. It's friggin' wild. Yeah. How? I don't know. I would think my eyes would just dry no. up. Oh, yeah. That's weird. Uh, Pippin uses the old Indiana Jones trick to get the Palantir. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Whereas Mary and Pippin were placed to the side of the two towers, they're clearly important in this film. Yep. Uh, how many times has Gandalf said, fool of a took? <laughs> These tooks must be the Kelsos of Middle Earth. <laughs> Drinking game. <laughs> Every time you hear the word took. Yes. I love that Pippin is strong enough to tell Sauron nothing. And it also proves that, yes, Frodo is strong, but it also alludes to the fact that everyone overlooks hobbits. Mm -hmm. But notice how it's not just Frodo, so it's not just one hobbit. It's Bilbo, it's Frodo, it's Merry, it's Pippin, it's Sam. All of these hobbits are able to overcome more than any other race. Yes, and it makes sense that as everybody at the very end, not to go full full ahead here, everybody at the end is leaving because it's time for the age of man, except hobbits are left behind also. Yep. Which, aren't they supposed to be the Irish? I've never heard that. Yes, I remember reading something a long time ago when they were talking about the history of Middle Earth and how it uh, was to possibly evolve to our history today. And that well, remember, man is the British... And hobbits were the Irish. But remember, J.R.R. Tolkien hates allegory. So that's somebody else. That's not J.R.R. No, Tolkien. Well, yeah. But, just be, <laughs> but here's the thing. A lot of authors write things and don't know that it's being influenced. No, that's true. That's yeah. true. But I'm just saying, he, would, he, would, he wouldn't have called it allegory. Uh, Gandalf starts kicking around Pippin constantly, and now Mary's turning on him. I'm glad people are starting to show Pippin that he's been more of a liability than anything else. This is a great turning point for Pippin to actually grow in his story arc. Yep, I like it. Yeah. Leaving Rivendell on her way to the Undying Lands, Arwen has a vision of Eldarion, the son she will have with Aragorn. She realizes that her father lied to her. Bastard! When he said that she and Aragorn would have no future together. She returns to Rivendell and convinces Elrond that having forsaken the life of the Eldar, she cannot leave Aragorn now. She tells her father that, as foretold, the time to reforge Narsil has come. Narsil, the sword of Elendil, is the birthright of the true heir of Isildur and the man who used the sword to cut the One Ring from Sauron's hand. This is a powerful scene. Yeah. It really is. It is very well acted. It is very good. 
and I know we haven't talked about it through the whole lot, but this bugs me, and it's my biggest complaint. My personal biggest complaint from the movie to the books is the fact that he doesn't have Narsil the whole or Andriel the whole time. Andriel is the is the sword of the West, flame of the West. Okay, okay. it's Narsil reformed. When Narsil is reformed as a sword, it becomes Andriel, flame okay. of the West. It's it's the new sword, and in the books, mm-hmm. he gets it before he leaves the Council of Elrond. Okay, it's reforged way at the beginning, and in the books, it's the sword that leads to victory at Helm's Deep. It's the, like everybody keeps rallying to the sword, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Now, how they're doing it here. I get it. And they broke it up so that they told different stories. I get it. Fellowship is a story. Two Towers is a story. And it does make sense in Return of the King because we're talking about Return of the King. So you reforge it. So I get that. But it's it's interesting. I think they did the shift to make Arwen's story a little bit more important. But just from a personal standpoint, I would have wished that he would have had the sword sooner. But... How he ends up getting it, this is well done. I do like it. Um, I completely get what you're saying. I totally do, because you're right. He has it. Uh, But I can also understand why, in a visual medium, they decided to make it more symbolic that, as it's put together, so is Aragorn finally put together. And I get that. Um, But this scene kind of disappoints me. Okay. It's one thing to show your daughter the truth in a vision to try to get her to stay with you. We talked about that, the ethical question last time. Well, it's quite another thing to lie about a future in order to do it. He didn't lie. It's, it's, it's not... He no, omitted the truth? He, no, well, so hold on. <laughs> I, I'm looking at this as a father. So what he didn't tell her, when she asks about, do they have a future together, he says no, which is true because he will die and she will right. live forever and all of this stuff. But... It doesn't mean that all of the other stuff doesn't happen. It doesn't mean that they don't have a kid and all of that stuff. Well, that's precisely it. It's the omission of the truth, if exactly. you will. And as a guy, you know that's considered a lie to our counterparts sometimes. Oh, I totally know that. But yeah. I am so going to tell those lies to my kid. <laughs> Dad, uh, do Dad, not listen, boy. Do Dad, not listen to this show. <laughs> Dad, Daddy, is, is, does this taste any good? I'm like, it's, it's not good for you. You, you really shouldn't do that. <laughs> It doesn't taste good, but you better eat it. Um, anyway, it's just it's maybe my bugaboo that I always liked Elrond because of his honesty and his deceit here, in her no, view, I, I feels a little bit off for his character. But I also like the way it turns later on. It does feel off for Elrond as Elrond, leader of the elves. I think it makes perfect sense as Elrond the dad. Yeah. Uh, Arwen continuing to have an important role. She is the muse in this series that inspires every big event to happen in this. Yep. Uh, and at least with Aragorn, yeah. yeah, her skin being cold shows that she's becoming mortal. Yeah, so that must be what Jackson meant to get across with the necklace. Yep, uh, at least in the films. In the story we talked about, yeah, what it I actually know. is in the films, Jackson has taken a few liberties, but I think it works visually. I, and I always did, just looking at it, think that that was her essence. So when it bra- broke, I thought she became mortal. But yeah. oh well, it is what it is. I'll take it. I'll buy it. Gandalf and Pippin arrive in Minas Tirith, the city of kings that was built out of the rock of Mindolin. It's actually seven story or seven rings up. Like so a, you have to travel through it's an seven awesome different. Set. It's awesome. <laughs> that that's the other thing. I almost wish like how they built all this stuff because in the behind the scenes as they talk about all of the bigotures, because mm-hmm. they use that frame for the bottles they use, they talk about well. They they built it this way, like with the prow of the ship, and like they get all of this straight from Tolkien. Yeah. So Tolkien was so specific in how, like, 
What you see in Minas Tirith, that's Tolkien. That's how Tolkien described it. Peter Jackson was brilliant in staying faithful to the actual environments. Yes. Because if you don't sell that, you don't sell the story. No. Well, at Minas Tirith, Pippin recognizes the white tree of Gondor as they go to find the steward Denethor. They approach him as he mourns over Boromir, his son. Pippin swears loyalty to him in recompense for Boromir's sacrifice. Denethor seems to be caught up in his grief and has not taken measure to fortify the city against the threat of Sauron. Pippin questions his pledge to Denethor with Gandalf, and Gandalf offers him honesty that Frodo and Sam are more than likely not going to complete their journey. Negative Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) The Witch King of Anmar is discussed as the most powerful of the Nazgul and how he is also preparing for war. John Noble playing a corrupted king or steward uh, is much like the Lord of Lake Town, uh, but more regal and powerful. He does a great job of making you hate him. Yeah, I, I love John end, Noble. You, it is hard to watch a father treat a son the way he treats Faramir. Yeah, but John Noble does a great job of acting. His bereavement for. Uh, Boromir isn't an excuse for how he treats Faramir because we see in sort of the flashback scenes he was a jerk to Faramir even when Boromir was alive. Mm -hmm. Um, So clearly he had favorites, but it makes the journey towards his recovery so much, I mean, emotional spectrum. It makes it believable. it, It makes it so believable because Tolkien and Peter Jackson are taking you to the depth of despair and the depth of depravity. Like, how can a parent act like this? Yeah. How can a ruler of a city act like this? Yeah. Like, yeah. how does he not look out his, his doorway and see Mordor? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to chew on tomato juice and get it <laughs> squirting all over the place. Yeah, everybody that eats something in, this, in these movies, it's just disgusting. <laughs> It doesn't matter who you are. It's disgusting whenever you eat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love Gandalf talking to Took before they walk in. In fact, it's better if you don't speak at all. <laughs> just, just don't speak at all. Yeah. Better, Gandalf. Uh, and then what does he do? He instantly starts talking <laughs> as soon as he walks in. Pippin kneels and Gandalf reacts like the entire audience watching the movie. Get up. <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> Everyone appears afraid of Aragorn's rise of power, which shows the corruption of power on those who wield it. Yes, they don't want to give it up. Clearly, Denethor doesn't want to give it up. And I love Gandalf's honesty throughout this film, honestly. The way yeah. the way that he is wavering about Frodo and Sam. This is not going to Erebor. This is going to friggin' Mordor. Yeah. It, 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 it probably he's not going to show up. 99 times out of 100, he's dead. Yeah. So. Meanwhile, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum arrive at Minas Morgul. Wary of the enemy, they locate the winding stair of Sirith Ungol, of Kirith Ungol that lies hidden in the cliffs surrounding the accursed city. Just at that moment, the doors of the city open, and the Witch King of Angmar, leader of the Nazgul, dispatches his immense orc army from its lair, heralding the start of the war. Green is just naturally Great spooky. Scene. <laughs> that green hue oh, is nuts. <laughs> the marching and the the oh. sound editing in that that's a good scene. Yeah. It gives me I've seen these movies so many times. You're still getting and goosebumps. I still get goosebumps. <laughs> Gosh, that staircase only looks slightly less dangerous than the one we saw on the rock wall of Erebor. Uh, like it's literally going straight up. And I'm like, ah, maybe I'm not doing this. No, I couldn't <laughs> do it. Uh. The outpouring of the army is witnessed by Gandalf and Pippin as a flash of lightning shoots up at the opening of the doors. Yeah, Elijah Wood may not be the best actor in the world, but this is the perfect role for him. This yeah. is a skill set done. He doesn't do a lot in this film. No, he doesn't. 
but it's facial reactions. And he's perfect at that. The Morgul army crosses Anduin and Osgiliath in makeshift boats and engages the Gondor- Gondorian contingent led by Boromir's brother Faramir in battle. Faramir and his army are pretty formidable. I believe Faramir is a Boromir uh, yeah. relative. He's got that same spirit. I dig that. No, I, I like that he is as courageous as Boromir, but he's a thinker. Bor- yeah. Boromir reacted to his emotions. Faramir doesn't, although he has flashes of it. It's He's that kid that he's like, okay, I have my father's temper. I have my brother's temper. Because you see it in the way he treated Gollum in Two Towers. Okay. Like Faramir's, grab you by the throat. Yeah. But he also realizes, you know what? If I calm down, if I think about it, I'll come up with a solution. Because every time he's arguing with his dad, he's like, I think I did what's best. Well, you shouldn't have thought at all because Denethor and Boromir reacted to everything. Yeah. Whereas Faramir thinks about it before he does it. Boromir is the Anakin Skywalker to Faramir's Faramir's Obi-Wan. Yes, I completely agree. At the urging of Gandalf, Pippin lights the first of the beacon signals to Edoras, alerting Theoden and Aragorn and the rest of the Rohirrim to muster at Dunharrow and thence to Minas Tirith. Yeah, Pippin's quite the good climber. I am very impressed. <laughs> Heights, this this movie, like, there are times I'm like, <laughs> exactly. Like, Zooms in and up for you. <laughs> my heights, I'm like, that's high. <laughs> and and uh, he doesn't let anyone down. In fact, it's his actions that reunite man. Yeah. He's Jar Jar Binks. He creates the army. He was the <laughs> the comedic role, and then you realize he's the necessary role. Yeah. Like, you needed Jar Jar to end the Republic. You need Pippin to... Reunite man. Reunite man. Uh, the montage of the lighting of the beacons oh, is so beautiful that it's art I wish on a wall I had. I still try to figure out where the flames will pop up. Before <laughs> I do that too. It's, it's, even though I've seen it so many times, I'm like, in, oh, I was off by like a centimeter. <laughs> yeah, but every shot in this, if you just screenshot it, it is a work a, of art yeah, no matter where it is. And most of it is real shots of New Zealand. Yeah, that's it's, sick. Yeah. Uh, Theoden makes me so happy here. He gets it. Yep. I almost expected him to deny it based on choices I've seen previously from this writing Exa- crew. Because at the party, he flat out said, Gondor, where was Gondor, and all of this stuff. But yeah. when, as soon as he sees the beacons, and I think he's so willing to accept it because it means he wasn't going to help because he didn't think Gondor was going to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And you saw how proud Denethor is. So I think Theoden was more like, no, Denethor is not going to ask for help, and I'm not going to help Denethor. Yeah. But when he saw the beacons, he's like, they are asking for help, and I'll be damned if somebody who asked me for help isn't going to get it. And if you watch these from The Hobbit forward, we've gone five movies of people in power denying help. Yeah. And this one, the last one, you finally say, yes, I will accept it, and the right result is going to come from it. Yep. So... As they leave Edoras, Aragorn notices that Eowyn saddles up with them and that she has brought her sword, but she insists (laughs) that she rides only to see them off and that the men have found her captain, have found their captain in Aragorn. I like that Eowyn's a go-getter. I'm going to do what I want. Yep, I like it too. And I also like the way that Jackson shot the convergence of the battalions. Yep. You need that. It doesn't just show up all of a sudden. You have to show how they are assimilating with each other. I also like how they sort of get some semblance of everybody's like, oh, and they fight. No, like you have to get the army together. Like 
Some people are like, oh, this is such a long movie. I'm like, it takes a long time to get armies together. Yes. Like, every just jump in. Exactly. Everybody thinks, oh, well, they just fight. No, I like how you have to see they have to walk there. And then when they start fighting, like, it it happens very quickly. So yeah. It's, it's, it's a good job of showing how warfare works. Mm-hmm. All right, the orcs prove too strong and drive the Gondorians out of Osgiliath. Faramir and his few surviving men retreat to Minas Tirith, pursued by the Nazgul on their fell beasts. Gandalf, riding out to meet the retreating men, wards them off with his staff, showing the light of Eld- light of the Eldar, saving Faramir. Upon his arrival, Faramir, who met Frodo, Sam, and Gollum in Ithilien just before they headed for the mountain pass into Mordor, tells Gandalf of the dangerous route Gollum is taking Frodo and Sam on, convincing Gandalf of Gollum's treachery and confirming that Gandalf thinks they're all going to die. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Uh, Peter Jackson may not be able to direct chase scenes, but the man knows how to show a battle. Yeah, he does. Uh Getting attacked from above is just frightening because there's no escape in the valley. No, and like they pick him <laughs> up and then, whoo, yeah, just drop. Like him. my t- no, my fear, my fear is that uh, there's another Wilhelm scream, of course. And uh, Gandalf uses a Patronus to get rid of the Nazgul. <laughs> that's funny. I've never. I had just watched Harry Potter Deathly Hallows right before that. Nice. And I was like, ah, it's a Patronus. There you go. Uh, Gandalf's confidence is renewed again in Frodo and Sam, so he keeps going back and forth. And Faramir is kind of the wizard's pupil. He does kind of. He respects uh, yeah. Gandalf. The hobbits led by Gollum are struggling to climb the extremely steep stairs of Kirith Ungol. Gollum reaches out and empathizes with Frodo, saying that he understands his pain. Gollum also poisons Frodo against Sam, saying that Sam will try and take the ring from Frodo. He's such a good mole. Oh, he is. Like, you never know when he's going to turn. His evil's just lingering under the surface. It is. <laughs> lingering. That's a good word for this film. Something is eventually going to happen. You're just not quite yeah, sure you when. You don't know when. You're just bracing yourself the yeah. entire time. <laughs> In the captured city of Osgiliath, the Witch King orders his captain to send forth all legions and annihilate the population of Minas Tirith, saying that he himself will break the wizard Gandalf. Pippin pledges his allegiance to Denethor as a way of seeing... As a way of seeing he can help the cause. However, Denethor, ill-pleased by Faramir's failed defense of Osgiliath, manipulates him into taking a doomed ride to reclaim the city. Such a hard scene to watch, but so good in terms of telling what Tolkien's trying to tell. Yeah. Like, the story he's trying to tell, It's I get it. It's just so hard to watch. It is. He's got one son. He treats him like garbage. Oh, my goodness. And some, and we'll find out later what's, the hell, what's wrong with this guy. But Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Gollum continues to play the hobbits like a fiddle against each other, this time by blaming Sam for eating their food provisions. Frodo, in his deluded states, is sus- in his deluded state, is suspicious of Sam and orders him back home when Sam, trying to be helpful, offers to carry the ring, thereby fulfilling Gollum's cunning prediction. Yeah, that's haunting in that it, is. it happens. But for some reason, when Sam asks for it, I don't get it's with the malice that people have asked for it before. No, it's, it's not, not played that way. Um, Gollum's bringing the Lambus bread on Sam's. It's genius. Yeah. <laughs> but would have been better just to push them off the ledge and just take the ring. They were both asleep. Yeah, there's a lot of those moments. It, well, it's Why the, didn't the Eagles just carry them the whole way? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, Sam's frustration becomes violent. Yeah. And uncharacteristic, showing that the ring isn't the only thing that can change you. This world is not bound by rings, but choices that affect everyone. Exactly. Sam is clearly changing as a result of what he's experienced. Yeah. 
Faramir rides headlong into the arrows of the encamped orcs as Pippin sings for Denethor, who unconcernedly eats his noon meal while his son is being killed. Yeah, this is this is a hard scene to watch because you yeah. know from the get go it's not going to go well. Nope. Uh, sing me a song. Great solidification of his dickishness. Yes. <laughs> and the song is haunting. I love this song by Billy Boyd. And the first time I watched it, I didn't know Billy Boyd could sing. Apparently, he had put out a couple albums and stuff. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. And I was just like, oh, wow, he's pretty good. And Gandalf reminding Faramir his father loves him is a great example of how perception isn't necessarily reality. No, it's not. Aragorn and Theoden ride through the ranks of those who have converged to the defense of man and notice they are encamped next to Dimult an evil place. That night, Eowyn dresses Mary in armor to prepare for the battle. She confronts some of the men who laugh at his chances. This scene is used to set up two things. Mary's going to fight, and Eowyn's going to prove her worth. And Aragorn's going to go get a army of dead people. Uh, we don't know that yet. Well, it sets it up. It sets no, it's up good. Three, it sets it up, yeah. It sets up three things. Okay. Aragorn has a dream about Arwen that startles him. At the weapon take at Dunharrow, a hooded figure slowly rides on a white horse along the winding road to the encampment in the hills. The figure reveals himself to Aragorn as Elrond. He presents Aragorn with his birthright. The newly reforged sword Narsil, now named Anduril, Flame of the West. He urges Aragorn to use this sword to recall the dead men of Dunharrow and use their allegiance to the heir of Isildur, i.e. Aragorn, to stop the attack of the Corsair ships, which are already sailing from the south. Aragorn accepts this counsel and rides off that very night into the Dimult along with Legolas and Gimli, who he tries to leave behind. Yeah. <laughs> As he is preparing to go, a tearful Eowyn comes to Aragorn and begs him not to go, declaring her love for him, but Aragorn, knowing that Arwen has refused the promise of the Valinor, likewise refuses Eowyn's love. It's also nice because all of the men see him leaving, and they instantly think, well, if Aragorn, our champion, is leaving, we have no hope. Yeah. It's that darkest before the dawn. Mm-hmm. It is getting bleak. Yeah. Uh, it's a well-timed win when Elrond mentions the dead men. Yeah. <laughs> MacGuffin! Hey, 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 that's not a MacGuffin. Uh, whatever <laughs> the thing. I like the presentation of the sword. It's not too flashy, but it's more symbolic than magical. Yeah. Uh, when Aragorn, Aragorn unsheaths the braid, he has officially accepted his role as king, shedding the ranger and revealing its true self. Do you know how long that sword is? That scene always bugs me. I'm like, you would not be able to do that in one motion. The sword, because I and I learned that from the behind the scenes, like they made one. Yeah. And it's almost like, I want to say the sword itself is almost like five feet long, maybe even six feet long. And I'm like, you can't. You could pull that out. Like, in that scene, it's like, I pull it out, and then I stick it up. No! Like, physics, like, you would have to have it on the side, horizontal, and then pull it out. Yeah. I'm like... I get wanting to do things for the sake of making it as close to the book as possible, but make it functional. Yeah. Sometimes things in fiction are better left in fiction. I'm just, it, it makes me, every time I see that yeah. scene, I chuckle because I'm like, yeah, I know how long you made that sword and there's no physical way he could have done one. How many did. takes it took to get him to take it all the way out? <laughs> oh, for that take, I'm sure they used a shorter version of yeah. the sword because that's, okay. or they just CGI'd it. Maybe. Either way, but yeah, the actual Andoril is so flipping long. And when tries... You'd never be able to do that. Eowyn tries one last time, but Aragorn shuts it down. <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah, right. Aragorn, you know Gimli and Legolas are coming along. You're the three amigos. Exactly. <laughs> the next morning, Theoden explains to Eowyn that she is to inherit the throne while the battle rages and if he should fail. Uh, yeah. I love every single scene with Theoden and Eowyn. You know they're not father and daughter, right? 
Um, She's his niece. But it is like a father It feels daughter. like a father-daughter relationship. Like, I guess yeah. I always th- I always saw it as daughter. Yeah, she's um, she's his niece. Yeah, okay. Well, see, I guess there you go. There you go. What? Who are her parents? Well, probably in the, it's probably in the appendices <laughs> of the actual book. Like, okay. I'm, there's a lot of stuff in the appendices that's not even in the movie appendices or the 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 uh, 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 the DVD appendices. Oh, I know. A lot of people complain about this movie because it was the material was so dense you couldn't fit it all, and they were like, "Well, you should have put this in there." But there was so much they couldn't put in. Even if you added all an extended edition, it's still not everything. No, it's not. Legolas explains to Gimli the oath the dead men of Don Haro have. Th- uh, have sworn to the throne of Gondor. Thank you, exposition. <laughs> when a wall scares off a whale, sorry, when a whale scares off the horses, Aragorn pushes forward into the cave with Legolas and Gimli in tow. Elsewhere, Theoden and Eomir ride off to war with 6,000 riders, unaware that Eowyn and Merry, who were both told to remain behind by the king, uh-oh, disobeying the king, <laughs> are part of his army ready to attack. Yeah, Mary's spirit is rewarded with when Erwin grabs him on horseback. <laughs> yeah. And that is a great scene. There, There's a, an allusion that I'm going to give later on to the four hobbits and to another symbol that they represent. And in this case, it's Mary and his ability to stand up for what's right. Yeah. So... Meanwhile, Aragorn and company confront the spirits of Dunharrow. The spirits show aggression towards them until they see the blade of Isildur, which gives them pause. Aragorn pleads that if they fight for him, he will honor their oath and allow them to pass into the Vale finally. As the orc army approaches Minas Tirith, they send a message. Faramir is dragged into the stronghold by his horse in a death-like coma, and it's revealed that Faramir's army has failed. Boom. The Morgul forces, composed mostly of orcs, begin the siege of Minas Tirith by catapulting the heads of captured prisoners over the walls. Talk about reveal or ruining morale! Like this is—he <laughs> knows how to show a battle, like killing, killing morale and killing yeah. the will to fight. It's great. Well, it's not great, but it's good to learn knowledge of that. Uh, Denethor sees his son Faramir and believes him to be dead. He also beholds the might of the forces marshaled against him. And at this, he completely loses his mind. He loses hope and he orders all the Gondorians to abandon their positions. Gandalf, however, knocks him out, (laughs) steps in and assumes control of the defense. A skirmish between Gondorian trebuchets and Mordor's catapults ensues as the fight begins. The Witch King and the other ring race on their fell beasts attack, destroying the trebuchets and sowing terror amongst the defenders. I love the shots of the catapulted objects and their destruction. Yeah. Uh, Minas Tirith is much more formidable than Helm's Deep. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're going to go big, go much bigger. Yeah. And uh, seriously, they've got fell beasts in a lot of them. This takes Helm's Deep to junior varsity. And as big a deal as Helm's Deep was, this does make it so much bigger and, and more powerful. And Gandalf is a damn good general. And one hell of a warrior. If this was a video game, I'd want to play as Gandalf. Yeah. And clearly that had to change because was this the Gandalf we saw in The Hobbit? I Could don't that, think so. I don't think so either. I think the the Valor, the Valar yeah. gave him something else when he came back as Gandalf the White. Yeah, because he's spinning that staff around and I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Plus he was also younger. Away in Kirith Ungol, Gollum betrays Frodo to the giant spider creature Shelob. Okay. Uh, Sam falls down the stairs and lands right where the Lambus bread was. 
every movie is allowed one massive coincidence. This one is it. <laughs> okay. Uh, big ass spider. No, 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 no. She lob looks pretty damn good for 2003, though. So your favorite scene ever. So I need to get you a giant she lob poster. I hate this scene with every bit of my. But here's the thing. I hate it because it scares me. I know. Yeah, but I love it because of the way it's shot. Uh, Frodo getting stuck in the webbing is one of my worst nightmares. I've got chills just thinking about it, and then to hear Gollum's voice echoing off the halls, off the walls, is a horror film. Uh, oh God. <laughs> Gollum is so well written he in is these very movies. Done. Yep. Thrown off a cliff. Seems like a long fall. Assumption, he's dead. Yep. Uh, and then Frodo's hallucination. But every time you think Gollum is dead, no, he no. comes back. His hallucination with Galadriel comes at the right time, unfortunately. I wish this was something exclusively for Sam's role. Well, Sam gets his moment later. Right, right. But it's a, it's a scene where I, it, it's something that I could totally see Sam saying. I understand, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but And I think you also needed a reason to put Galadriel in this film also. Um, there's a reason, because if, if you haven't forgotten, Galadriel has defeated Sauron. Yeah. Why isn't she there now? Because she knows that it's going to take more than her. Yep. And it justifies some choices that were made in Battle of the Five Armies that I'll talk about later. Or has she lost hope? And so it requires Frodo to give her back that hope. Yeah. So, but there's this scene right here justifies some of my problems with Five Armies. In Minas Tirith, Denethor, stricken mad with grief at having spent both of his sons, prepares a funeral pyre for himself and the unconscious Faramir. Mm. Down in the city, the battle goes ill for the Gondorians as the huge battering ram, Grond, shatters the gates of the city and trolls pour in. As the defenders retreat to the upper levels of the city, the orcs crawl through the streets of the lower levels, looting, burning, and massacring the men of Gondor. It's a cool-looking battering ram. <laughs> it is a very cool-looking I love the fire ram. shit coming out of the mouth. Yeah. Back with Frodo, Shelob stabs him with her stinger and begins to wrap him in a webbed cocoon. Sam arrives, however, returning to help his companion and battle Shelob until she hides after being stabbed. Sam is my friggin' hero for this scene. There's no way in hell I'd be brave enough to do this. <laughs> I, I love Sam because it proves that Sam, some, and this poses something I'll say later, I fa totally fall in the camp of Sam is the hero of this story. Yes! <laughs> Not Frodo. Sam yes. is the hero of this story. I agree completely. Sam believes Frodo is dead, but when orcs from the Tower of Kirith Ungol come and investigate, Sam overhears that Frodo has only been paralyzed by Shelob's stinger, but at least he conveniently took the ring. Mm -hmm. Denethor is unaware that Faramir is not dead and the pyre will burn him alive. Yeah, Denethor is so far gone, he's not going to listen to reason. Nope. And when he pours the gasoline on himself, yeah. It, <laughs> not looking at it all. I've worked enough with oil and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, it goes over his mouth. I know. Like, it drips over his... That's just... <laughs> the only thing worse in this scene is if he had opened his mouth and you saw it, like, detaching. Like, it almost looks like <laughs> KY Jelly, and even yeah. that's gross to me. I'm like, not over your mouth. He's the alien now. <laughs> but suddenly, in the midst of the chaos, a lone horn penetrates the air and all turn to the west and see the army of Rohan arrive at last to the rising of the sun. The Rohirrim charge into the orcs with great effect. This is my favorite scene in the movie because every time I see it, I get chills. Even now I'm getting chills. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know we still have a lot of great scenes to come. And yes, there's the bow to no one scene and all of that. But this scene, everything has sucked. Everything has been bad news yep. up to this point. And this is the first time you're like, 
Oh, and then when you see how many of them and the speech, even the speech is depressing. Yeah. <laughs> like they start cheering ride to death like they're riding to die. And it's just like, oh, it's so it's so good. The music yeah. is so good because they took the Rohan theme with that violin and turned it into a battle theme. Yeah. And uh, the flanking here is reminiscent to Helm's Deep. Uh-huh. So they've learned something from their past. Yep. It's God, it's good. Yeah. Gandalf and Pippin arrive in the hollows um, and manage to save Faramir. But Denethor is thrown onto the pyre, and as he burns to his death, he turns and sees his son stirring awake from his injuries and exhaustion. Yeah, Denethor is crazier than a bag of cats. Uh, I love that Pippin jumps on the fire and saves Faramir. I do, too. Uh, and the shot of Denethor running off the edge of Minas Tirith on fire is shot well because it starts with the close above him, and when it fades so far back that he's insignificant, you realize how little his role really was in this whole yep. thing. It's good symbolism. Yeah. The joy of the Rohirrim's attack is cut short by the arrival of the forces of the Harad and the immense Oliphants, the Mumala... <laughs> Not elephants, Oliphants. The, the Mumakil. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool-looking army. I like... They, first of all, they look like something out of Mad Max. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> but I like how each army has a different look, so you can identify which yeah, one Richard, is which. Richard Taylor did that on purpose. And again, uh, the the behind-the-scenes feature here was all about why does Gondor, like, they make fun of the helmets. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how they're described. So yeah. they made the helmets the way Tolkien described them. They look stupid. They look like giant condoms. But it's still what they it's were. It's their culture. It's their culture. Um <laughs> And yeah, I always see the Temple of Doom priests. Okay. When I see the 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 <laughs> Mumik, Mola Ram. the the Mumikil riders, I see the the Temple of Doom priests. Oh, is what I see. Oh, uh, the arrows on the elephants don't look like they would damage much. They're more like acupuncture. <laughs> hey, maybe they feel feel good after a long walk. But you also get a conversation between Pippin and Gandalf. And Gandalf says, death is just another path one we must all take. Something that you mentioned before when I talked about the mass suicide, and you said, "No, it's just another realm of existence." Yeah. Uh, this solidifies what we're talking about now. Yeah, we get it now. Um, and this is this is again, it's J.R.R. Tolkien is trying to do lessons for life without yeah. being religious. Like people say, oh, this is a lot of where the allegory comes from, and like the Jesus figure and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, don't overcomplicate things. This is where I completely support J.R.R. Tolkien. Sometimes things just are. Death is another past one we must take. We're all gonna die. Mm-hmm. Don't be scared of it. Yeah. But don't run away from it either. And don't run just, towards it either. Don't, yeah, don't run towards <laughs> it. No, and he's not saying, but it's just like, it's the he's a realist. Yeah. Gandalf is a realist, and I think sometimes you need that. But he also has a great moment to connect with Pippin. Yeah. Because before, he's just been kicking this kid around. And now you see an evolution to their relationship. Of respect. Of respect. Yeah. So I like that. The Witch King descends on Theoden, killing Snowmane, his horse, and wounding the king. Eowyn confronts the Witch King before a final blow is given, and Eowyn beheads the fell beast, <laughs> fell beast that the Witch King is riding upon. Eowyn battles the Witch King and is reminded that no man can kill him. Elsewhere, seemingly in the nick of time, the Corsair's ships arrive to help the stranded orcs, but it is Aragorn who jumps off the lead ship, followed by an army of the dead. They completely destroy the orcs and the Mumakil. Returning to Eowyn and the Witch King, just as Eowyn is about to be slain, Mary rescues her by stabbing him in the back. As the Witch King goes to his knees, Eowyn runs her blade through the helmet and kills the Witch King of Anmar. Legolas and Gimli return to the battle 
return to battle the Mumakil, keeping score of their kills <laughs> in typical fashion. Uh, this is my second favorite female empowerment line in a movie. The first being Ripley saying, get away from her, you bitch. Yeah. And this one, when she takes off her helmet, she says, I am no man. I am no man. I remember in the theater, even I was like, yes, it was it's it! such a great scene. <laughs> yep. It's one of my favorite lines. It fulfills a prophecy from the book. Yep. But, and I was wondering about this because you've seen the extended editions. Do they mention that prophecy in the extended edition that she, that he cannot be killed by a man's yes. hand? Yes. Okay. They do. I wish that wasn't theatrical because it means more than. Oh yeah. They, they, they allude to it a whole lot okay. throughout, throughout the movie. And this, this was at the height of Legolas. Before we got three more movies of him, and his action scenes are just fun to watch. They are a little comic-y, and this is an again. Yeah, I feel like the CGI hasn't aged well. It has not. Some, <laughs> some of his like the sliding down. It was cool in two thousand three. Right in two thousand seventeen, it's like mm, it's aged a bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Theoden dies of his wounds, and Aragorn holds the dead army's oath fulfilled, releasing them from their curse. So they. I can't read. May it. rest in peace. Well, your thing is your cursor is over it, so I can't read it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, the cursor that yep, says James. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Starting over. <laughs> Theoden dies of his wounds, and Aragorn holds the dead army's oath fulfilled, releasing them from their curse, so that they may rest in peace. Seeing Aragorn and his niece one last time. Theoden. Theoden. Isn't that what I said? You said Aragorn. Ah. Seeing Theoden and his niece one last time as, as he truly sees her is great. It's an acceptance, and it's tearful, and it's loving, and it's what I needed out of this relationship. Yep. Because now you've, you've given a reason for Eowyn to be there. Yep. And it sounds as though he's almost saying, the throne is yours. The throne is yours. I was wrong. Yes. It's sort of that acknowledgement of, as I die, I was wrong, and I'm proud of you. Yeah. And Aragorn is a man of honor, and every in the audience was just kind of like, I would follow him. Yep. Yeah. He's a true king. Sam rescues Frodo from Kirith Ungol, which is mostly empty following a fight between the two factions of the Towers orc garrison over Frodo's valuable Mithril shirt. They begin the long trek across Mordor to Mount Doom. Uh, I'm of the firm believer that, that's, that each of these movies has a main character. The first one was Frodo. Yep. The second film was all about Aragorn. Agreed. And, and this film is Samwise Gamgee's. I wish that, but I also think it's Gandalf's. See, I think I think the whole saga is Gandalf's. Oh, okay. Because I, and the way I view it, and I think you'll agree with this, is that this whole series, The Hobbit and The I Lord see. of the Rings. It's the journey that, like, Frodo needs to take the journey in the first one. Aragorn needs to, okay, yeah, yeah. I get it. I follow it. But in, in response to your Gandalf, if you look at this, you could say these, this, these movies are the final acts of Gandalf. Yep. And these are his final two and how magnanimous they are. Yep. Uh, Sam took the ring but gives it back freely. He is stronger than everyone. Yep. Still feels the corrupt qualities but still gives it back. The final four ring bearers are all hobbits. Gollum, Bilbo Baggins, Frodo Baggins, and Samwise. It hasn't been confirmed. I know the movie made it look like that. I don't know if Smeagol was a hobbit. No, he was. Where, it was confirmed. It was confirmed in Fellowship when Gandalf says the hobbit, Smeagol. 
Uh, okay. Or the Hobbit. He was once a Hobbit. Yeah. Well, okay. okay. I'll have to relook that because I I want to say in the book or it was always referred to as River Folk. Well, it, as as the River Folk, but maybe that was a, a group of hobbits. Okay. It's kind of like you got the Gondorians and you got the Rohans. No, They're all men. I no, I get it now. Yeah. All right. Back at Minas Tirith, Gandalf realizes that 10,000 orcs stand between Kirith Ungol and Mount Doom, which will prevent Frodo from reaching his destination. Aragorn proposes they lead the remaining soldiers to the Black Gate to draw the orcs away from Frodo's path, as well as distract the Eye of Sauron. Gandalf gets cynical again. Yeah. It also is like you just now are now worried about where he <laughs> is in the... Like, how do you... like? Part of me at this point is like, how do you know it all lines up? I mean, we do because sure. we know, but right. how do you know that this is, yep, right here, not tomorrow yeah. or not yesterday, but today is the day we need to clear out the 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 plains in Mount, yeah. Yeah, and Aragorn's now the bastion of hope, destiny yeah. fulfilled, Yep, and we get a great line in certainty of death, small chance of success. What are we waiting for? <laughs> Good job, Gimli. <laughs> Sam and Frodo traverse across the plains, but are spotted by the Eye of Sauron, knocking Frodo to the ground in agony. Meanwhile, Aragorn, Gandalf, Legolas, and Gimli reach the Black Gate and call out the leadership. <laughs> the gate opens, and emerging from its bowels, an army marches toward them, ready for battle. Now, I got a question for as we. I know I didn't have anything there, but is there a scene in, in the extended version where he speaks to the embodiment of Sauron? The mouth of Sauron. Yeah, I described that earlier. Okay, okay, that's what it was. All right. Yeah, the mouth of Sauron is. It's a scene that I've never seen. Actually, so. how it was originally shot. Was he fought Sauron? It was. There was originally a scene made. If if you remember now in the movie, outside the gate, there's this big battle where everybody's kind of watching Aragorn. Yeah, and he fights a troll. Okay. Do you remember that? Yeah, in the movie? yeah, yeah. That was originally Sauron. He was actually. It was actually a scene where Aragorn is fighting against Sauron. All I'm right? not gonna lie. I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. He he's back in his like. Take the Sauron that you saw in in the uh, prologue mm-hmm. and insert him here, and they're fighting and talking, and, and they have a, a verbal back and forth and all of that. Yeah. Well, they re-edited it to get rid of that. They created the mouth of Sauron, had that whole dialogue, and then t- changed it to a troll. I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, because it, I think if you have him fighting him this early in the film, it doesn't have the weight that happens later on. Yeah. Okay. Sam notices that the eye is distracted as it is now pointed at the Battle of Moranon, which is about to start, and he picks Frodo up to his feet. I'm a little speech tired at this point, I, but that may be me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of speeches in this before an army goes in. There is, but they're all short. They are, yeah. Uh, Frodo is crawling to Mount Doom with all his energy, but ultimately gives away to his exhaustion. Yep. Aragorn's army, having been encircled, is a great visual. Yep. And Legolas and Gimli's relationship has evolved and is complete. Yep. Uh, and I, I think they say something like, would you, I, I can't believe I'm going to fight with an elf. And he goes, would you consider fighting with a friend? Yeah. You know, and it's like, yes, they're there. Sam carries Frodo up to Mount Doom, but Gollum <laughs> arrives and attacks them just as the Battle of Moranon begins. At this point, every scene is important. Is important and magnificent. I mean, Sam literally carries him at this point. Oh, the last, the last 27 minutes of this film is amazing. Uh, Aragorn leading the charge, followed by Merry and Pippin. It starts with Aragorn. Merry and Pippin run out first, and then everyone else, showing yeah. their evolution. Sam's got a pretty wicked fastball hitting Gollum in the head. Yeah. <laughs> 
And the Eagles, the Eagles, they show up in the nick of time. Haven't seen them in a group since they bailed out Bilbo and company. Exactly. <laughs> MacGuffin. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> At the crack of doom, Frodo, instead of dropping the ring into the fire, succumbs to its power just as the shield door did, puts it on and disappearing from sight. The act alerts Sauron, who sends the ring wraiths racing towards Mount Doom. Gollum renders Sam unconscious, then attacks Frodo, seizing his ring finger and biting it off. As Gollum rejoices at finally having reclaimed his precious, Frodo, still under the sway of the ring's attraction, charges at Gollum. After a brief struggle, they both fall over the edge of the precipice. Gollum falls into the fire with the ring, while Frodo barely hangs on with his strength failing. Sam rescues Frodo as the ring finally sinks into the lava and is destroyed. Sauron's eye screams as his essence fades before the Tower of Barad-dûr collapses and then explodes, forever banishing his power. The orcs, ring race, and all the remaining forces of Sauron are consumed in the ensuing shockwave and earthquake as the earth collapses under their feet. The Black Gate and Mordor are shaken apart. Uh, there's a lot that happens here. There's a lot that happens here. Uh, it's another iconic scene, Frodo holding the ring out yeah. and then turning around saying, the ring is mine. And I remember sitting there going, in the theater, just going, no! <laughs> uh, I love that it's a fight between Frodo and Gollum that destroys the ring. But the ring isn't destroyed completely until Frodo accepts friendship over greed. Because it sits there on the top, and then when he grabs his hand, it sinks in. Yep. I love that it also fulfills what Gandalf says. You have no idea. The, the pity, it's pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. Mm-hmm. If you don't save Gollum, Frodo keeps the ring. Yeah, yeah. If you don't save Gollum all those years ago, 120 years ago, if you mm-hmm. don't save him, Frodo ends up keeping the ring. Yeah. And uh, an epic film deserves an epic ending to the villains. It's this delivers as the earth literally shakes in victory. <laughs> and so we think ending. Black screen. Nope. nope not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Frodo and Sam become stranded when the entire top of Mount Doom is blown off in a large eruption. Their voice, their regrets. They voice their regrets at not being able to see the Shire again amidst the torrents of lava and the destruction of Barad-dûr. With the destruction of the Nazgul, Gandalf is able to call upon the eagles to carry the hobbits to safety. Black screen. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> they awake in Minas Tirith, reuniting with other members of the Fellowship. Black screen. Nope. Nope. All of them but Boromir survived, and they hold a whole ring ceremony. Oh, wait. Uh, sorry. I cut ahead. The loss of Boromir is felt still, even at the end of the, as the Fellowship stands together. Even though he hasn't been in two movies. That's awesome. But that's the thing, is you've reunited this Fellowship. I would have liked an acknowledgement of Boromir in this scene at some point. Yeah. Uh, because you have eight out of nine. Yep. That's not a good percentage. <laughs> Black screen. Oh, nope, nope, no, nope, nope. Then nope. another one. Right. In Minas Tirith, Aragorn is crowned king of the West, heralding the new age of peace and marries Arwen. Here is when everybody kneels down in homage, in homage to the little hobbits. And here is where Viggo Mortensen writes his next movie check out because he does four emotions in one shot. Yeah. Disbelief, shock, love, and happiness rolled into one. Black screen. Nope. Elrond look as e- looks Elrond's look is even better. He understands his emotional journey and how he got there. Uh, the the sign the words my friends you bow to no one. Yep. 
This makes me well up every single time. Yep. Even when watched out of context, it's powerful. Yep. Uh, the Lord of the Rings takes place over 13 months, according to Frodo. Nice. He says it. Uh, and no one would think that this is where the story would end, but nope. There is 20 minutes more. That's what I mean. It's not over. The Hobbits return to the Shire. I love the look of the Hobbits giving each other over the pint of ale. As though they've all been through something only they will understand. Exactly. And it's like you look around, the Shire hasn't changed. It's fraternal. They have yeah. clearly been through something that nobody else has, and they can only relate to each other. Samwise the Brave gets up the courage to ask out and marry Rosie Cotton. Honey! Frodo, having finished writing his entry in the Red Book of Westmarch, is still suffering from the effects of the wounds he received from the ring race at Weathertop and from Shelob. Realizing that he will never have peace in Middle-earth, he decides to go with Gandalf, Bilbo, Elrond, Galadriel, and Galadriel on the last boat to the Grey Havens and sail to Valinor, the Undying Lands. Before embarking at the Havens, Frodo passes the Red Book to Sam to record the last years of his life, and then the last ship to leave Middle-earth sets off, pulling slowly away from the shore and passing along the straight road into the uttermost west. Pippin and Mary take their leave of Sam and is left staring into the golden sunset. In the last scene, Sam walks back to the lane to up the lane to Bag End, where he is greeted by his wife Rosie and their and her er, here and his <laughs> child. Surrounded by his family and with the rest of his life ahead of him, Sam sighs and says, "Well, I'm back." He goes inside and shuts the doors. The screen fades to black. Finally black. <laughs> Frodo saying goodbye to his friends is not unlike Dorothy saying farewell to our companions in Wizard of Oz. There's a lot of parallels here. But I don't get emotion when I watch her say goodbye at, at Wizard of Oz. When I watch this, I don't know if it's because it's acted well or because you do that, but if you don't feel or show emotion at the end of this movie, mm-hmm. the only time at Wizard of Oz I, I feel emotional when she says goodbye is when she turns to Scarecrow and says, and Scarecrow, you'll, I'll miss the most. Uh, okay. Because he was from the beginning. And Sam is very much in the beginning, but he fulfills a different prophecy when it comes to the symbolism between the Wizard of Oz characters and the, the Hobbits. So, Joe, the movie's over. Mm-hmm. What'd you think after watching it? Okay, at the time, I remember thinking the movie was perfect until the multiple endings. <laughs> it has become a bit of a meme. Today, today, yeah, uh, July 22nd, I love... The multiple endings. Oh, yeah. Since I, I think they're necessary, too. Since it's not the end of a trilogy, but the end of a saga. More movies needs a more intricate ending. JC? By the time I finish watching this movie, I'm tired. Oh, yeah. I am emotionally spent. I have gone the entire emotional spectrum. I've experienced every emotion, and I'm just tired. <laughs> like, it's literally like that feeling after a workout or after something else. Like, I just sort of sink into the couch or sink into whatever chair, and I'm just like, wow. <laughs> but, it's, it's, but it's a good wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's play a game. Did the awards get it right? Uh, at the Academy Awards, 11 nominations, 11 wins. It tied Ben-Hur and Titanic for most ever. We can make this short. Yes, they uh, got them right. I, I, I think they got them all and right. I want, here's the thing. We're not just saying it got right because of an honor thing. They didn't just want to honor Peter Jackson. If you look at these, it truly was the best in all of its categories. Of all the movies, yes. It wasn't a matter of, oh, we want to give Peter Jackson awards just because he did something unprecedented. No, when you look at the movies it's up against, it's the best of them. Yeah, and as you watch it a second time, I mean, it it, it cleared cleared out the awards for the Academy and it cleared out the awards at Golden. There is one, there is one where I would almost challenge, although it's a bit because I really love the song Into the West. Mm -hmm. I love it, but... The song Scarlet Tide from Cold Mountain yeah. 
is an original song and very powerful for that movie. But I also have an emotional attachment to Cold Mountain because okay. it was a book and a movie. So that's the only one I could maybe argue. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it, hell yeah. Well, I'm just going to say which ones it won. It won uh, Best Picture. It won Best Director. Best Adapted Screenplay. Best Original Score. Best Original Song, Best Sound Mixing, Best Art Direction, Best Makeup, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, Best Visual Effects, and then at the Golden Globes, it won Best Motion Picture as a Drama, Best Director, Best Original Song, and Best Original Score. So, it done good. Yeah, it did very good. It's almost... And it's almost funny because you would think with how we've talked about how well they cast these movies, it could have won Best Supporting Actor in something. It could. But it wasn't. It was never about one person. It was only about an ensemble. You can't have a Best Actor because there isn't really there isn't one too many main actor. characters. Exactly. And I get that. I think that makes well, sense. Well, on to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we pick our top three things we love or scenes we like in this movie. And then we choose three things we dislike about the film and or that we find the weakest. Let's start with the top three. JC, what are your top three things that you want to highlight in this movie? Number three. I, I say Aragorn, but I should probably say everyone. Everyone think, <laughs> everyone thinking Frodo is dead. Yeah. Everyone thinks Frodo is dead, and they charge at the gates anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, gah. Number two, this is almost my number one. This is almost my number one. I've already talked about it. the charge of the Rohan and the speech. Theoden's speech about death beforehand, and then the charge down the hill, the music, everything. Oh, so, so much my favorite. Mm-hmm. But the real thing that is my favorite, because it's what I think of whenever I see this movie, is Sam picking up his daughter and saying, well, I'm back. Yeah. I remember when I first saw it, I hated it. I hated that that's how it ended. But now... But you also didn't have a kid then. I didn't have a kid then. I was a teenager when this came out. I hadn't gone through college. I hadn't gone through life. Uh, I'm 33 years old. I am a father now. I've worked in a workforce. I've, I've experienced really great things in life. I've experienced some really shitty things in life now. Mm-hmm. And the honest way that his face and he just looks at his wife and he looks at his daughter and he just says, well, I'm back. I mean, what is left after all of this? Yeah. You go, you go on, you try to find a sense of normalcy. It's not easy, but you try to find a sense of normalcy. And I love that. That is how Peter Jackson ended the movie was I'm back. Yeah. I think the only way to enhance that is if you see that his next door neighbors are Pippin and Mary. And that they live in a secluded part of the Shire together. That would be cool, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't be keeping with the books because those two go off and do other things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. What are your three? Three okay. best things. My number three is Sam's resolve and courage. Yeah. Um. It's inspiring to watch. Uh, Sean Astin acted his ass off in this film. Yes. Uh, my number two is Eowyn's moment with the Witch King of Angmar. It is one of my favorites. Uh, and it 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 delivers a line that is. Th- one of the more quotable lines in this entire film. Uh, And my number one moment, I have very few times where a line out of context will get me no matter what. And it's you bow to no one. And it reminds me of the same feeling I get at the end of Mr. Holland's opus. When he says, uh, we are your symphony. Would you please lead us in your American symphony? Yeah. I love Mr. Holland. It is such such a powerful piece. The way that Dreyfus delivers it and Viggo Mortensen doesn't have to say much, but it's the picture of the the visual of everybody bowing and these four unassuming didn't even expect to be here at this point, accepting something, but in a way where they don't feel like they deserve it. No, they don't. Um, 
it, it's powerful and it, it makes me well up every single time I see it. Yeah. So, okay. Let's move on to the bottom three. Time to vent, if there's anything. JC? Yeah, this was a struggle for me. There's really not a whole lot of things I don't like. One of them is easy, but it's not bad. It's not, mm -hmm. I don't dislike it because of the movie. I just dislike it because he's a jerk and it's Lord Denethor. <laughs> he's a dick. Like, he's such an asshole. Like, so, but I mean, it's not like I want him out of the movie. You no. need him in the movie for that story and everything, but. Mm -hmm. What is what is the? I hate him. I, he's just a jerk. Now I do acknowledge that he grows up, but it's just like worst father ever. So yeah, jerk. <laughs> so so he may actually be my number one, even though I I did him as number three. But number two, there are some fight fight sequences that have not aged well. Yeah, uh, they just look bad. And then there's some CGI. Uh, one of the opening scenes with Treebeard outside of Orthanc, I saw that and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Like it almost looks like previs. Like, okay, like yeah, they yeah. didn't finish the details. Yeah. And I've, there's a couple other ones, a couple of the Nazgul at different times. I'm like, it's almost like they didn't put the textures on just right. They just looked unfinished. All right. So, but that's very nitpicky stuff. Yeah. Very nitpicky stuff. Uh, <clears throat> okay. My number three, the fact that's making me elevate my five armies grade from a D to a C minus. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my number three. <laughs> uh, the Billy Boyd song is relevant now. And the scenes involving Galadriel and Sauron make sense now. Uh, in, in, in that I have here the scene that I'm talking about, uh, I'm going to skip down to where it really matters. The image of Sauron appears and tries to tempt Galadriel, but she overpowers him and casts him out. She falls in a weakened state. She knows she cannot return to this battle, which is why she's noticeably absent from the battle at the end. And she says, uh, and says they can leave, Sa uh, and Sauron tells them to help Galadriel and leave Sauron to me. This is why Sauron has turned. And if you were looking for a reason why, now you can look back at five armies ago. That was the decision right there. Now it makes sense. These scenes have relevance given their context in the movie series. They still make the film uneven and a wee bit below average, but there's no way to give this background in the Hobbit movies without it feeling forced. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. If they had kept the story separate but in the same universe, I have no doubt it would have worked, but Jackson wanted it to go all seamlessly and not see it as two separate stories but one total story. Yep. So it ranks mine up to a C- minus there. Yep. My number two, the Eagles and the Dead Men of Dunharrow seem like they could have handled everything themselves. Yeah, they're MacGuffins. Yeah. Uh, not MacGuffins. <laughs> Whatever the term is. <laughs> MacGyvers. And my number one is the absence of Boromir at the end. I feel like they should have done something. Whether it was they're all standing around the bed and you see Faramir there also. Uh, that you know, been, that saying nice my, my brother would have been proud of this. Yeah. Something, I, something like that. I get that. Because uh, it, is, it is noticeably absent. Because it's the, reuni it's the reun reunion of the fellowship. Yep. So... Uh, who is the audience for this movie? Everyone who wants to know about Middle Earth. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know about Middle Earth, you, yeah, you have. You can't not watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, this movie's for people who were in all who were all in on the first two movies. Yeah. You're the only ones who are going to appreciate this. Luckily, a lot of people were all in on this because it showed at the box office at yeah. $1.1 billion. Yep. <laughs> uh, movie report card. A, B, C, D, F, epic fantasy film film. Epic fantasy feature film genre. I'll go first so you can get the last word in because you are the king of Middle Earth. Oh, thanks. Uh, when it comes to final movies, the directors and writers have the pressure put on them to give resolution that both fulfills audiences' expectations as well as ends things on their own terms. It's a delicate balance. In 2003, Peter Jackson accomplished that better than most directors ever have when it comes to trilogies. Let's remember, this movie was the end of a trilogy, not the end of a saga. The biggest complaint at the time, however, was the fact that the ending was 20 minutes long. 
For a three-movie series, that's a long ending. However, within the, la- within the next decade, Jackson would then film the Hobbit series and justify the ending's length. 20 minutes does not seem that long now, and you're hard-pressed to find a scene at the end that you could do without. They are all important. In fact, nearly every single scene in this movie is important to the main plot of the story. We joke about how the Academy gave Return of the King all these awards because they wanted to honor something that was unprecedented in filming three films at the same time, but I can honestly say that when you look at the other films in those categories, it is at, far t- at times far and away superior as a film. Once again, Jackson manufactures a beginning by starting with Smeagol's turn to Gollum. From that point on, nothing feels forced. It feels like every scene naturally goes into the next, culminating in Frodo, Sam, and Gollum finally dealing with the ring at the top of a cliff over lava. This is where the franchise hits its peak, and it's at the right time. This movie gives us lines that are unforgettable and iconic from you bow to no one to I am no man. The CGI is used sparingly. Character growth of every character has clearly evolved over the course of three movies. And most importantly, because so much time was devoted to our original band of nine, we care more about them more and more until the final scene when the final eight are reunited. It means more. Peter Jackson proved with this film that when given the time to get something right, he could do it well. And exceptionally well at that. I only wish that he was afforded the same time by his studio when he took over the reins for The Hobbit. If Fellowship is Frodo's movie and Two Towers is Aragorn's, this movie belongs to Samwise. He quite literally carries this film as he lives up to his nickname, Samwise the Brave. Every scene with Sam in it is perfect. Yes, perfect. Frodo doesn't need much else to do because Sam will do it for him. And perhaps that's best at this point in the series. Aragorn's completion of his destiny is earned, and every scene he acknowledges it makes the audience respect him more and more as a leader of men. Arwen, Elrond, Gandalf, Eowyn, Eomer, Theoden, the Witch King of Angmar, the Nazgul, everyone is great in this film, and our Dorothy, Frodo, and her three companions, the Cowardly Lion, Samwise, Scarecrow, Pippin, and Tin Man, and Merry, are deserving of the accolades they receive at the Mount of Menas Tirith. Overall, this movie is in the Lord of the Rings trilogy is the most enjoyable to watch of all three because there isn't a lot of darting back and forth from our leading eight to peripheral characters. It stays with them all the way through. This movie, if it were acknowledged as a trilogy by us, would make it the greatest trilogy put to film bar none. Yes, Star Wars, I know you're there. But these three movies fit together a heck of a lot better than the original trilogy when it comes to continuity. It would be a lock for the trilogy pantheon. However, we are agreeing this as a saga encompassing the six movies of Middle-earth. And even then, it is a fitting ending to all six films, too. I'm giving this film an A. JC? Solid A. It deserved all the awards it got. Yeah. It's hard to argue with anything. It's beautiful. If this movie was released on Blu-ray, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it? Joe? Buy it. Complete the trilogy. Complete the saga. Buy it. Extended edition. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's all we got time for today, Movie Planeteers. And if you do not recognize this music right now, it's because you didn't grow up in the 80s. The next show we are doing is nominated by Steve, and it is Masters of the Universe. Yes, that's right. We're finally getting around to this one. Steve claims it's Pantheon worthy, so we're going to go after it and find out if it truly belongs in the Pantheons. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, anywhere you can to get 
a taste of what we're doing on the show. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow the Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They're included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, <laughs> especially to this music, and happy movie watching. <laughs>